0: So it is official now. Thanksgiving is over, which means that it is now perfectly acceptable to string up the lights, decorate the Christmas tree and start celebrating Christmas. You know, I know that there's a lot of debate about when it is acceptable to start celebrating Christmas. And, you know, normally I'm one of those Ebenezer Scrooge types who thinks that Christmas should not start until after Thanksgiving. But you know, this year has been a tough year. And my family, we needed some joy this year. And so we broke with tradition and we put up our tree like three weeks ago. And I am already deep into the Christmas spirit. My Bing Crosby playlist has been on repeat. And we've already started watching the classic Christmas movies. I mean, Christmas is here in the McGee home and it is bringing me great happiness. But, you know, I know that this year has been a challenging year for a lot of you. And there's not enough mistletoe or eggnog or Kenny G Christmas albums that can bring back all the things that you've lost in 2020. And Christmas traditions are great, but our joy is not found in the traditions of Christmas. It's found in the Christ that Christmas celebrates. And so for the next several weeks during Advent season, I want us to fix our eyes on Christ so that we can have real joy and real hope this season. And you know, we've been studying the attributes of God, and now during Advent, we're going to turn our attention to the attributes or names given to Jesus, the Christmas child. And the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 9, he says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, And Prince of Peace. And this week I want us to look at the first name given here for Jesus and its wonderful counselor. And now this well-known passage, it was written actually 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah spoke these words to the people of Israel at a time of national trauma, disaster, and despair. Israel was facing foreign invasion, so the people, they were afraid. Their futures were uncertain. The Assyrians were threatening to invade them and carry them off into exile. And yet Isaiah chapter 9 turns the people's attention from the present to the future, from their fear of what the Assyrians might do to them, to what God is going to do to put the world to rights and redeem His people. And you'll notice that the chapter is actually written in the form of a poem or a song. It's a celebration of hope. And You'll also note that it's written in the past tense. As though these things have already happened because from both Isaiah and God's perspective, they have happened. It's as good as done. That is the confidence that Isaiah has and that he wants the people of Israel to have in response to his prophetic word. And so against this dark backdrop of national despair and gloom, Isaiah envisions the dawning of the light of salvation, which will result in good news of great joy for all people. And God is going to bring about for His people liberation, victory, and comfort. And how is He going to do that? Isaiah says, "...through the gift of a son, the birth of a child. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given." And these words gave hope to the people of Israel. And they ought to give us hope today because at Christmas, this is what we are focusing on, that the Son has been born and that He is called the Wonderful Counselor. And whatever challenge or despair you are facing today, the Bible tells us that in Jesus, we have a Wonderful Counselor. You know, a counselor is someone who advises or instructs or guides But, you know, in the Hebrew mind at this time, a counselor wasn't simply a wise friend. It was someone with authority. So think about King Solomon. He's often called a counselor in the Old Testament. and People brought their problems to King Solomon, and he had the wisdom to know the solution, and he had the power to enact the solution that would make people's lives better. He was both wise and he was powerful. He had authority. And don't uh, we, we tend to think of a counselor like a friend. You know, it's good to have friends that you can vent to and friends that, who can simply hear you and say, oh, I'm sorry, that's awful. And sometimes that's what we need. We need a friend that can sit with us in the pain. But there are also times where we need a counselor who we can bring our problems to and they can not just listen to our problems but actually show us the way out. A good counselor is someone with authority and someone with the capability to show you the way out of your problem. You know, I'm a big fan of counseling. I I personally have suffered seasons of burnout, depression, and anxiety. And so I know the value of a good and wise counselor. And about a year ago, I decided I wanted to find a new counselor. And so I started calling and talking to potential therapists and counselors that I could hire to help me. And the first thing that I wanted to know when I was asking around was if they had credentials. Were they trained? What was their level of education? What areas of counseling do they specialize in? How many years of experience do they have? I wanted to know that they had authority because I know that if I'm going to entrust my problems, my deepest fears, my greatest traumas to someone, I want to know that they're qualified and that they have the credentials and the authority to actually help me. And Jesus here is called the Wonderful Counselor. And who has more authority than Jesus? He's your Creator. He has an authority greater than any earthly counselor, and so we can trust him with our pain. You can trust him with your fear, because he knows the way out, and he can show us the way to abundant life. He is always and only wise, and his counsel is always trustworthy. And you know, when I was interviewing potential counselors, I also had a second question. Not only did I want to know they were qualified, I wanted to know if the particular counselors if they could relate to my struggles. Listen, I know that there are many well-trained counselors that can do a really great job of empathizing and helping people even if they haven't experienced the same tr- struggles as their clients. But for me, I needed the comfort of knowing that my counselor knows my struggles and the two kind of struggles that I, you know, wrestle with in my life are challenges that are unique to being a pastor and challenges that are unique to being a parent of a special needs child and so after a ton of research I found a former pastor educated in therapy who has a special needs adult child and because of those things I trust him because he's wise and qualified but also because he knows the struggles that I face and many of you you know the value of having someone near you who's been through the same pain that you have. I imagine if you've lost a parent a hug from a friend who's also lost a parent has greater warmth because they know the pain you feel. I imagine if you've gone through the pain of miscarriage, the words, you're going to make it through this, are much sweeter and more comforting when they come from the lips of a friend who's been there before. You see, a wonderful counselor is someone who is wise and capable of receiving your greatest struggles, but but also someone who has walked through them before. And Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor. And recently I've been reading the book of Hebrews in my personal study, and I've been so comforted by these words from the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4. The author says, For we do, not have a great, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, Jesus is able to sympathize with every weakness that you or I have ever been through. And I find this so comforting. There is nothing that you can experience that Jesus has not also experienced. And when you walk through the Christmas story, one of the things you'll see is that Jesus was born into the worst kind of poverty. And from all we can gather from the Bible, Mary and Joseph appear to be the poorest of the poor. When Jesus was dedicated at the temple, Mary and Joseph presented a pigeon as their sacrifice instead of a lamb. This was a provision made for the poorest of the poor who couldn't afford a lamb for their sacrifice. And this is the situation that Mary and Joseph were in. Jesus knew poverty. And so are you unemployed or furloughed right now? Are you concerned about your finances this year? Jesus knows. You know, we have a tendency also to sentimentalize the nativity scene. My kids have toys of the camels and the cows and the shepherds and the baby Jesus, and they're cute and it's fun to play with them, but we cannot lose sight of the fact that Jesus was born in a stable. His mother gave birth outside in the cold, surrounded by smelly animals. No one would accommodate this pregnant woman with her child when they needed help. And so if you've ever felt isolated or outcast or unwanted or pushed the margins, Jesus knows how you feel. And it's not just the Christmas story, but all of Jesus' life shows us that He knows the struggles of being human in this broken world. He was born in a manger and He died on a cross. At His birth, the innkeeper said, There's no room for you. And at His death, the crowd cried out, Crucify Him. At His birth, He was wrapped in rags. And at His death, He was stripped naked in shame. Have you ever been hurt? Have you ever been lonely? Jesus knows what it means to feel those things. Have you ever felt misunderstood? Have you ever experienced the pain of loss? Have you ever felt unattractive or unwanted? Jesus knows those feelings. The Creator became a child. He humbled Himself. God, with all authority and power, surrendered His power so that He could enter our world and experience our pain. And this means that He is both qualified and powerful enough enough to help us in our pain, and He is sympathetic and gracious enough to understand our pain. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. But you know, a, a good counselor doesn't simply sympathize with our suffering. A good counselor shows us the way out. God came into the world at Christmas, was born of a woman, and He suffered every human trial and every tribulation. Why? He was bearing the rejection and the poverty that we deserved, so that when we come to Him, we can do so with confidence, knowing that He won't judge us because all the judgment for our sins was laid upon Him. Isaiah said, Surely He has borne our griefs and our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him smitten by God and afflicted, but He was wounded for our transgressions. So when we come to Him, we don't get poverty and ju- get the poverty and judgment we deserve because those things were poured out on Jesus. And this is the counsel that Jesus provides. He shows us how we can find ultimate relief from our pain and everlasting joy. John 3.16 says that, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. For unto us a Son is given. And whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And this is the greatest counsel that our Jesus offers us, that if we will believe in Him, we will experience forgiveness, we will not suffer forever, and we will be given eternal life with Him. So whatever you're facing today, the hope of the gospel and the counsel from the wonderful counselor is this. There will be struggle and pain in this world. Jesus knows that. But He made a way for us to find joy in the midst of it. And He made a way for us to be saved from it through belief in His Son. This is why Isaiah says, He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Let me pray for you, Crossroads. God, I thank You that You sent Your Son. For unto us Your Son was given. And he is the wonderful counselor. God, so many of us, we need counsel. And not just any counsel, we need wonderful counsel. We need a counselor who can empathize with our struggles. But we need a counselor who is wise and trustworthy, who can show us the way out of our struggles. And God, you sent Jesus to be the wonderful counselor for us. Not only can he sympathize with us, but he showed us the way to overcome our struggles and our sin, and that is through belief in Him, through forgiveness in Him, when we believe that He was crucified on a cross and He was raised from the dead. And because we believe in those things, Your Word says that we can have eternal life and our suffering will not last forever. And so, God, we wait eagerly with expectation for the day when You wipe every tear from our eyes and set every wrong thing right. And we thank you that in the meantime, we have a wonderful counselor who can comfort us in our pain. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. And we are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us. But we're going to play one more song this this morning. And while this song is playing, there's a little button down in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen that says live prayer or live chat. And if you'll click that chat button, it'll open up a chat with one of our leaders in our church. And we would love to pray with you in a private chat. No one else will see what we're saying, but you can pray with us and we can pray for you. And we would love to minister to you in any way we can. So church, let's sing together. And if you need prayer, join us in the live chat. Thanks, Crossroads.